Welcome to Romans Untangled, the podcast where we take a seemingly difficult book of the Bible and untangle it so that we can enjoy its beauty. This is season four, episode one, Give Your Offering, Romans 12, 1 to 2. The mercy of God has been clearly explained to us so far in the book of Romans. And Paul has done this by unwrapping the importance of and our need for the wonderful substitutionary work of Jesus Christ upon the cross and confirmed by his resurrection. So now what? How are we to live as a result of this? On this episode of Romans Untangled, and in fact, on this entire season, We're going to start to answer that question of what it looks like to live in accordance of what is true or what this passage will call a living sacrifice for God. Pastor Steve Treichler here, Hope Community Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, welcoming you back to Romans Untangled. If you caught the recap show, we recapped the first three seasons, but for many of you, you're skip that and you want to get to the good stuff. So here we go. I hope you're doing well. Hope you're doing the well in the in in the midst of all that life brings, in the beauty that it brings, in the wonder that it brings, in the joy and in the struggles. Uh, God is in the midst of all of it, and I would say that. In my life, in the last six months, that's been all all those on every level. In fact, sometimes when people ask me, how are you doing? I have to say, give me a category because, you know, oftentimes it's very much like the uh, the book by Charles Dickens. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And so in all of that, know that God's gospel, God's uh, answer for you, God's power in the Holy Spirit, uh, the leadership of what he's doing in your life is sufficient for that, even though at times it doesn't necessarily feel that way. Hey, just kind of a programming note, what we're going to do this season. The first three seasons, I kind of opened up the first, oh, I don't know, five to 10 minutes. And we did kind of a special thing where we we kind of gave some, the first season, we gave some Bible study tools. How do you study scripture? How do you study letters of Paul? What is it? What does that actually look like? And how does that work? Uh, second season, if you remember, we went through the through some theological terms, kind of getting you grounded on some things that really aren't that difficult to understand. They just use big words and you can get yourself kind of grounded on that. And then last season, I decided to do just some simple, big, at least important to me, and maybe they're not the most important ones, so I want to be real careful here, but but some important Christian historical people, events, things that have kind of shaped us. And, you know, again, we could keep going on with all of that. But this season, I just decided, you know what, to end our fourth season, we're going to make the podcast probably a little bit shorter, and we're just going to get right after the text. And so this week, we got two verses. We're in chapter 12, and we are going to go right after it. Let me read the, this, uh, read the text this time from Romans chapter 12, Paul's letter to the Romans, and I'm reading this week out of the New International Version. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I remember memorizing these verses as a relatively new Christian um, back when I was in college, and these are life-changing verses. They're just life-changing verses. 
And so really all I want to do is unpack them with you, kind of walk through the thing and just kind of meditate upon it with you. So if you can, if you have it in front of you, that's the best. But I know some of you love to do this when you're driving and that's fine too. Do not open your Bible while you're driving. You have my full permission. In fact, I urge you, as Paul would say, I exhort you uh, to not have your Bible open. Just listen. That's fine. First word in this whole thing is the word therefore. And, you know, I know it's a dumb little phrase. And I remember hearing it very early in my Christian journey by a Bible study leader who said, every time you see a therefore, you have to ask, what's it there for? <laughs> now, that's silly, but it is very true. And you've got to ask yourself, what's the link to what just happened? And so that's really important here, because if you look at what we just got done reading, and if you go back to the previous season, season three, or if you go back to the recap, we ended by looking at the end of Romans chapter 11, 33 to 36. And I'll just read it again. It's so beautiful. Paul kind of gives this doxology or this, he's just in, in worship. And he says, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his, and how unscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him, and through him, and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Okay? So for from him, and through him, and to him, or for him, or back back at him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Now, that is what immediately follows. And that is, he's saying, as a result of this, of who God is, there's a certain thing we should do now. There's a certain way in which we should respond. And that's really the whole rest of this passage. But I also think, personally, and, and commentators differ a little bit on this, and it's not a major point, but but I, I really do think that the therefore in verse 12 refers all the way back to chapter one, right? All the way back to everything about the gospel. So I don't think he's just referring back to the close of chapter 11, which kind of chapters 9, 10, 11 are a subset about did God's word really fail? And it does include that, but I think he's he's kind of concluding on chapters one to 11, which is this kind of more stated this way it's more of a a mental imagery or the the knowledge of what happens in the gospel how does the gospel work how does the storyline of scripture fit together and he's putting these things all there and he's saying now okay therefore what about it right this stuff is really interesting and and there there was some practical things there there was a few here and there but he's going to get extremely practical in the close of the book here in fact in in 2 weeks it's just going to be this list and it's i love this list it's so great what he's going to say in Romans chapter 12 starting in verse 9 um, going to the end of the chapter. It's just a beautiful section, okay? But this week, we're just going to look at the first two verses, and it kind of sets it all up. Therefore, as a result of that, he's going to say, I urge you, okay? We don't have a good word in the English to, to you know, really get at this word. Um, this is more than advice. He's not commanding us, but he's not just asking us either. It, he, it's a strong request. We, we might use the word exhort, or that's not as common of a word anymore, or implore. 
or I'm, I'm begging you. I am, but beg has this inference of like, I have no power over you. And the apostle Paul uh, does as an apostle, he's, he's, he's saying, brothers and sisters, there's something here about this because of the beauty of the gospel. I am strongly, strongly, strongly urging, encouraging, asking, but more than asking you to do something. And here it is, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of everything we know about God's mercy, and, and if, you're, if you're brand new to Romans, you need to go back to chapter 3, starting in verse 19, and read from verse 19 all the way to verse 26, that on our own, we're in a heap of trouble, that sin has pegged us into a corner where there's no way to get right with a holy God. And yet God comes, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity comes to earth. The righteousness of God is now made known and he becomes our righteousness. In other words, he becomes our justice. He takes our sin. He takes our uh, penalty on himself and gives us his merit, gives us his righteousness. So he says, Therefore, because of all that, I urge you, I strongly, brothers and sisters, in view of that in God's mercy, and now he's going to tell us what he wants us to do. And here it is, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Okay, isn't that fascinating? He's saying, offer your body as a living sacrifice. Now, we we are not as familiar with a sacrificial system. Okay, so it's not something we've, we've, uh, you know, done a whole lot with, and you maybe have heard of it and seen. But in that day and age, there were pagan temples all over the world at that, and the world that Paul's writing to, and even in the Jewish system, there was still the temple sacrifices. So this this idea of a sacrifice where you took an animal and you killed it, and you offered the blood as a way to appease the gods, or or in this in the Jewish case, God from taking his wrath upon you, but instead it goes upon the animal, right? So, but there's a certain thing, a death that happens. You, 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 you die, right? And uh, <laughs> what's Paul asking here? Paul is saying that he wants us to give ourselves, to offer ourselves, to make an offering, Okay. But the offering is not just a tithe, our money, 10% or whatever, uh, you know, we can go and do it another time, but I don't believe the, the New Testament requires 10%. It's not, not a bad place to start and think about, but I don't think that's, uh, it talks about really giving generously and mind-blowingly if possible. But, but that's not what Paul's talking about here. He's saying, I want you to make an offering, but I want you to put you in the offering basket. I, w- I want you to go in there. I want you to offer your body but I don't want a dead body. I want a live body, okay? I want a live body, and it says this, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. I really like what Douglas Moo says about these verses, and he says this. He says, um, we experience God's mercy as a power that exerts a total and all-encompassing claim upon us. Grace now reigns over us. That comes back from chapter 5, verse 21. It is therefore entirely fitting that our response is to be one that is equally total and all-encompassing. The presentation of our entire persons as a sacrifice to God. 
wow, okay, what, what, what's he saying here? He says, everything, we're giving everything. Uh, theologians have often talked about the, the three basic parts of us, uh, the, the mind, the emotions, and the will, the, the volitional part of us where we make choices. We have a mind, our emotions, and, and this kind of makes up some, to some degree what you know, we call our, the very essence of our being, our soul, so to speak, that part of us that makes us who we are. Paul says all of that. What does it mean to give our mind? What does it mean to give our will? What does it mean to give our emotions? Uh, what does it mean to give my recreation? What does it mean to give my money? What does it mean to give my marriage? What does it mean to give my family? What does it mean to give my job, right? All of it. What does it mean for me to say, Jesus, I give all, right? Jim Elliott, who was a missionary to Ecuador and ended up losing his life uh, because they mistook him for someone who was uh, it was an unreached tribe and they ended up killing him, not knowing that he was there to help, but thought he was there to harm them. He said something that has gone down in church history um, as one of the greatest things about how to live in light of the gospel. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That is unbelievably beautiful and so true. Whoever finds his life, whoever seeks to keep his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it, Jesus says. And this is what Paul is saying here, in light of the mercy of God, not because you have to, but because you get to. You're not earning anything with God. That's the gospel. But now it's a response. And Paul gives three clarifiers to this sacrifice. First of all, it's living, right? We don't kill it. It's living. Second of all, it's holy, which means it's set apart. We're going to see that in just a minute in verse 2, what Paul means by it's set apart. And pleasing. This is what is pleasing to God and to us. And, and again, we do this out of response of what he's done. We're not doing it to maintain or obtain anything of him from him. We just want to do it because we are so in love with what he's done for us. And this is now what Paul's urging us strongly requesting us to do. Let me give one little silly analogy here that has helped people over the years. Oftentimes when we become followers of Christ, we 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 offer we we use even the phrase we allow we had Jesus Christ come into our lives, right? And an analogy I heard once from a buddy, it was, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like you're driving down the road and there you see Jesus and he's got his thumb out. And I know many people don't hitchhike anymore, but you know, it was the eighties. So uh, Jesus is hitchhiking and you say to him, yeah, sure, you can get in my car. But, and he sits in the back seat and he sits directly behind you. And uh, you're, you're going a long ways. You're not really talking much. He's, you know, other than how far can I take you, Jesus, you know, and that whole thing. And then he asks, hey, do you mind if I sit so that I'm in the backseat, but on, on, so I can make eye contact with you and, and even and not eye contact, but through the mirror, we can see each other. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, it's okay. So you do that. And um, uh, eventually he's like, yeah, do you mind if we just stop real quick and I just hop in the front seat so we can, you know, really dialogue and every now and then, you know, yeah, I know you're driving, but could we, could we chat a little bit and make eye contact? And, like, yeah, okay. And then you get to talking for a while and you start to get closer and closer. And all of a sudden, Jesus doesn't say anything. He just kind of looks at you. And you're not saying anything. And he's not saying anything. But you can tell he's looking at you. 
And all of a sudden you look at them and you say, I know, I know. You want to drive. And that is what this passage is saying. Jesus, I'm going to let you drive my car. Jesus, I've done this enough just having you be part of my life. Jesus, from right now, I'm actually going to be a follower of you and I'm giving you the keys. That's what this means. In view of God's mercy, to offer your body as a living sacrifice, true and proper worship is to give it all. Okay, verse two, here we go. I'm just going to read it again. It's been a while since you read it. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve it, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Okay, so there's there's a don't do, and then there's a do-do. And I just like saying do-do, but there's a don't do, right? The, the, the don't do thing here is be conformed or do not conform or be conformed to the pattern of this world. In other words, there's a way of thinking in the world that we are different from. Now, what is that way? Well, we saw it in the book of Romans. It's Romans one twenty five, right? And if you remember from Romans twenty one twenty five, uh, that is where he's talking about where how sin originated, or at least how it grew in, in the world. And he says, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen, right? So that's what the conformity to this world is. Uh, you know, we we often love to go to see secular, you know, non-Christian movies or read non-Christian novels or see non-Christian television shows or whatever. And, and they often do a great job of diagnosing a problem that we would all say that's a problem. But the answer, a godless answer, a Christless answer is still conforming to the world. It's still looking to creature to solve the problem rather than creator. And that's the confirmation of that's being conformed to the pattern of this world. You're no longer saying, God, I, I want to seek you and what you're saying, and I want to worship and serve and give thanks to you. Instead, it turns inward and it says, I see these problems, and now I am going to be my own functional Lord and Savior, and I, or us as a community, and we will solve this. Okay? So that's what this is saying to don't do. Simply put, if you're a member of Jesus Christ, you're a member of his church, flat out, whether you go to a local church or not. Now, I highly encourage that. <laughs> Believe me, I know that community is difficult. Community is really difficult because it's filled with sinners. I'm one of them, right? But you're a member of his church. And as a result of that, you are part of a sub culture, a sub-community. Now, it doesn't mean that we say we're better than everybody else and, and we're right and you're wrong and all these kind of things. That's not what we're saying. But we are saying we're not like other people. We're different. Don't conform any longer, uh, any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, that, that be transformed is something that happens to you. It doesn't say transform yourself. It doesn't say that. It says be transformed. And how does that happen? It happens by the renewing of your mind. I love again what Douglas Moose says about this. He says, the renewing of your mind is the means by which this transformation takes place. Mind translates a word that Paul uses especially to designate a person's practical reason or moral consciousness. 
Christians are to adjust their way of thinking about everything in accordance with the newness of their life in the spirit. That goes back to all kinds of uh, chapters uh, in chapter seven and eight. But we're different now. We're life in the spirit. We've been raised with Christ. We're unified with him. The marriage analogy from Romans seven, one to six. We're just different. Okay, back to Douglas Moo. One more sentence. This reprogramming of the mind does not take place overnight, but is a lifelong process by which our way of thinking is to resemble more and more the way God wants us to think. In other words, the renewing of our mind will just continually, by giving yourself as a living sacrifice, being around God, listening to God, being around his people, saturating yourself with the word of God, hearing it be preached, meditating upon it, um, being around the people of God, the word of God, and the spirit of God, all the resources we have, as that happens over time, there's transformation that takes place. Transformation, metamorphosis. I love that. It's kind of where the word came from, is this word in the Greek. We are being metamorphized. We're being transformed. We're being changed, okay? And then he says, this is the result. Then, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, the word will there, it, it, it can mean a lot of different things, this this word will. Uh, I, I believe in this context, it's really referring to the ways of God, like the ways that God would have us walk. What what God is, is, is mo- how he's moving in our lives and how we should move forward, okay? Um, that is what God's will and believe. There, there, there's, a, there's a lot of ink spilled on this. You could do a little search on that uh, if you wanted to. But you could you just see it's a, it's it's a it's a complicated word because it's no no more clear in the Greek than it is in English, so it can have a variety of meanings. But I think in the context here, he's getting after saying, "You are living in this world. You give yourself to Christ. There's a transformation that's taking place. Your mind is being renewed. And guess what? Now, as you walk through, you can sense God and His ways and how to walk in them. You can." Test and approve what that was, what his will is. And his will is good, pleasing, and perfect. His plans for the future, his moral ways for our life, what, what he delights in, what he wants us to delight in. That's what he's offering here, folks. It's life, is what he's offering. So that's what Paul's asking us to do. Let me urge you, let me strongly encourage you and me to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, to give it all, your mind, your emotions, your will, your relationships, your health, your bank account, anything that's there. Let Let me urge you like the Apostle Paul does here, and I'm doing this to me too, as I'm pointing a finger at you, as my old, one of my old seminary professors used to say, I'm pointing three back at myself. If you look when you point a finger, there are three fingers pointing back at you. All to Christ, all to Christ. Let him drive. Thanks for joining us this week on Romans Untangled. Next week, we move on to Romans 12, verses 3 to 9, and we're going to look at how God has given us gifts so that we'll be able to give unto others. 
We'll see you next time on Romans Untangled.